We're talking about one of, uh, one of the greatest gifts that God's given to us uh, as people, something to enjoy and to connect one another. We're, we're in this series, we're talking about marriage. And we're talking about the battle in marriage or the battle for marriage. And there's a couple different battles in marriage. Um, if you've never been here before, my name's Lad. I'm one of the pastors here at K2. This is our South Campus. And it's good to have you here this morning. There's a few different battles in marriage. There are, there are conflicts in marriage, aren't there? Because we are people. And typically when you get two people together who want their own way, you end up butting heads. And, and we just found over and over that as people, what we want is we want our own way. And God calls us to serve one another, that we would serve one another in marriage, that my, my, the gift of marriage to me is that I would serve Crystal and serve her really well, and that she would serve me, and that we would grow to be more like Christ in his good love for us uh, as we do that. Um, and then really, as we come here today, we're talking uh, not only ab- about that, about that fight, but the fight that there is, there's a world that says that marriage ought to be something different. Um, there's a world that says that marriage ought to be all about you. And not only is it in us, but it's, it's in every one of our stories. It's in every one of our movies. It's, it's constantly bombarding us that, that life is about me. And if this isn't working for me, go find something that will work for me. Do you know what I'm talking about? And, and constantly we, we see examples of people who go and find a relationship that's better for them, go and find a, a sexual partner that's more satisfying for them, and they, they continue. So today we're going to kind of continue and talk about that and talk specifically about that fight in our own lives and our own marriages about sex. And uh, just to start off, I know that talking about sex is difficult. Believe me, I, I understand that it's difficult because you're all out there and I'm the only one talking. And so... So I understand that, but God talks so much about right sexuality and the good gift that he gave to us in sex. And so, so we're going to talk about it because, you know what, this afternoon when you go home and watch golf or bowling or NASCAR or basketball, whatever you watch, like all of the commercials are going to tell you a brand of sexuality. Everything is going to tell you, the sitcom you watch tonight is going to tell you all about sexuality and about family. And we got to know from God's word because the truth is, you and I believe what we put into our heart over and over and over. We just do. In fact, Proverbs 4.23 says that, so our heart, what we allow into our heart, uh, our life flows out of it. The river of our life, the, the story of our life, the wellspring of our life flows out of what we let into our heart. And so you got to figure out what's shaping what I believe about, about life and marriage. What's shaping what I believe about sex? Because even if you're here and you've been a Christian for a long time, there's, there's ways you can just numb yourself to the truth and you can, you can buy stuff that's not, not right about sex and not right about marriage. So anyways, we're going to dig into that today. And I just, I understand that there's some of us here who, who have recently uh, been divorced and, and we're dying. And I'm sorry about that. Um, I want you to know that God has good stuff for you. And this truth is good for you. There's some of us who are married and, and sex is just a train wreck in our relationship. We're, we've hurt each other so much. We don't have sex anymore. One of us wants it. One of us doesn't. I just, I understand that there are, there are people here who are hurting. There's some of you who aren't married yet. And, and today, like you saw on the door, is kind of a, 
uh, PG-13, R-rated kind of thing. But the thing is, is that your kids, your high school students, I think the high school group will be here front and center. They told me they're going to be here front and center next service. Um, they get an earload and an eyelode. I mean, they get tons all the time on what our world believes is good sexuality. And so we want to know from God's word what is uh, good. If you're here and you're single, um, I just want to encourage you like we did last week. God's word says, um, hold marriage in high honor in Hebrews. And, and Paul holds singleness in high honor. About 95% of us in lifetime will get married. Uh, maybe you were married. Maybe you're still going to get married. Maybe you're one of those 5% who doesn't get married. And, and Paul honors you and just says, man, singleness is a great thing. You have so much more time to commit to serving God into the body of, body of Christ. And so, anyways, we want to honor you as well. And, um, and so, today, here's what we're going to do. Um, you guys turned in about, I don't know, 40 questions last week on, uh, on sex. And uh, I'm going to teach for about uh, 25 minutes, something like that. And then uh, Crystal and I are actually going to answer a few questions and try to give some practical solutions. Okay, so... If you have a question that you think probably didn't get asked last week, or if you have something that you thought about during the week, write, write it down on one of these, and then kind of as we're finishing, um, you, well, I'll just, I'll, one of the people will come forward, one of the Connections team will come forward, and uh, take them to the back, and they'll kind of look at the questions that we have and see if, see if yours is a new one and put it in there, okay? So we're going to do that. Um, yeah, let me pray for us as we get started. Lord God, thanks for the gift of sex. God, thanks for the gift of marriage and the privilege of knowing love and understanding this whole notion that, that someone would know us and still love us. Because God, you know us, you know everything, and you still love us. We've failed you, and you still love us. And God, you've called for our marriages to be like that. And so, God, as we talk about this today, we just, we want to first of all, kind of acknowledge that our world is crazy about sex. And just in a world of marketing and advertising and money, God, our world is, man, we're, we're addicted to sex in our Western culture, and we've perfected some aspects of immorality. And so we just, we ask you for forgiveness. And, and God, even here as we talk of it, um, man, God, we struggle. Some of us struggle with the embarrassment of it or the hurt of it or the shame of it. And so, God, I pray that, that you would come here and that you would speak to us today from your word. In Christ's name, amen. So last week, we basically said that our marriage is not for us, okay? Our marriage is not for us, all right? The, the idea of marriage is that we would love, and love is I, just at the heart of it. It's other-centered, and that we would serve one another in marriage. And so, really, if you only hear one statement, really the punchline is that your sex is not for you. Okay, your, your sex is not for you. Okay, that's the biblical picture, that we would, we would serve in marriage our, our partner with, with our sexuality and with what God has given us. All right? Um, Matthew 19. If you want to turn there, you can. Matthew 19, uh, it'll be on the screen if you don't have it. They're asking Jesus about divorce and remarriage. And, uh, and here's what Jesus says, starting in verse 4. He says, haven't you read the scriptures? Uh, they record that from the beginning, God made the male and female. So right from the start, in who God made them, they, he made them with a sexual identity. Okay, 
Two different, made for each other. Male and female, made for each other. Obviously, our body parts fit together perfectly. God made us male and female. Really, in who he made us before the fall, our identity being sexual. Okay, right from the start. So here he goes, made them male and female. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. The two are united into one. They're made one flesh. Um, Since they're no longer two, but one, let no one separate them, for God has joined them together. All right? So this whole idea of one flesh, we talked about it last week. Literally, literally one flesh, meaning that God put them together. No one should separate them. That literally there is a fusing, a, a mingling of souls. Okay? Here's with the picture. That it's not just that your body parts come together, okay, for, for a time. And uh, that, that's not just the one fleshness. Obviously, there's, a, there's that one flesh picture, but it is literally a uniting of two people. They become one soul, a, a dance, a mingling, a stirring up of persons. Okay, when God puts two people together, okay, it's forever. We talked about marriage being a covenant, that, that marriage is covenant. And I know that there's most of it, plenty of us in here who have gone through divorce. And, and so just like we said last week, as we go into this, can, can anybody here change the past? Nobody. The only thing that we can do is seek to walk closer to Jesus going forward. If you're, if you're not a Christian here today, let me just say as well that, um, that some of this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And let me explain why. Um, the church for far too long, okay, has, has, put out their Christian morality. And they've basically said, hey, live by these rules because these are good rules to live by. Okay, that's actually not what the Bible says. The Bible says this. The Bible says, believe in Jesus and have your sins forgiven and become united to Christ. Okay, be reconciled to Christ and then God will work in you in such a way that you you start to live out the character of God, those Christian morals. But the problem is, is that too many people kind of put on Christian morality like clothes, right? They put it on, they try this out for a while, and they think, man, I, I don't really like this. And, and they walk away because what happened is they never, they never truly believed, they never became a Christian. And so if you're, if you're not a Christian, you're here today, man, thanks for being here and thanks for checking this out. But I, I want you to know that while there's some truth that this is what God made you for, a lot of this isn't going to make sense to you because, because God isn't working in your heart in that way. All right? And so before Christ, don't feel like I'm, I'm saying that you need to put on these morals. But if you are a Christian, God says the best way to walk, the, the stuff that I made you for is for right sexuality. All right, so, so he says, I made them male and female. And so ideally... Two, two Christians get married and, and they stay together forever. Now, does that mean that it's simple forever? Man, if we could write, if we could tell you every day of our marriage, um, man, you wouldn't, even, you wouldn't even like us. You wouldn't even want to eat dinner with us, much less, much less have me as your pastor. You know what I mean? Because, because you, think, you think that uh, everybody maybe else is perfect and it's just you that struggles. But the truth is we have conflict you bring two people together with two different perspectives, two different upbringings, two different families, and you, you just have conflict and selfishness. And so, so here's what he says. They become one flesh inside covenant. This is why, and we're, I'm going to talk about it. I'll say this again. But, but ladies, this is why it, it, it is so important that, man, you don't, 
Because men will take whatever you give them. If you're dating, men will take whatever you give them. And they'll promise whatever, they, whatever you want to hear. Oh, honey, I love you. We're married in, in our heart. And they'll take whatever you want. And they, they will never deliver on commitment. And so here's what God wants. God wants you to be in covenant together and then grow together and enjoy this intimacy that he talks about. All right, we're going to get into it. All right. Um, so there's two prevailing ideas about sexuality that, that have always been kind of thing. And Paul talks about them in Corinthians, and they're alive and well today. Okay? So if you want to turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 6, um, 1 Corinthians 6.13 says this. Um, he says, food is for the stomach and stomach for food. Okay? He says, that's true, but someday God will do away with both of them. You can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality, Paul says. They were made for the Lord. The Lord cares about our bodies. Okay. This is what we believe as a culture. This is what the Corinthian culture believed, a lot of people, and, and this is what a lot of people in our culture believe. It's an appetite. It's like eating. It's like drinking. If I'm thirsty, what do I do? Take a drink. Nobody's going to be like, what in the world did he just take a drink of water for? Well, he's thirsty. All right? It's like an appetite. I want sex, so I have sex. I find somebody fun to have sex with, and we have sex. Right? That's what our world believes. Our world thinks that, man, two consenting adults, why can't we enjoy each other? It's an appetite. It's a thing of life. We're made for it. All right? And the farther you go down an evolutionary kind of mindset that this just happens to be, and I don't know, maybe there's a God somewhere, but, but we're animals. So whether it's like the dogs in the backyard or whether it's me, I'm going to find, I'm going to find somebody to work out my appetites and my desires with. And quite frankly, I want to, I want to do that with a number of people to find the person that I'm best suited to be with, right? And our world believes this. And we allow our kids to grow more and more in that thinking. So if you check out statistics, increasing, increasingly more and more we as a people believe that there's hope in that next relationship, okay? More and more, in the 1930s, about 13, 14% of marriages ended in divorce, okay? In the 1960s, 25% of marriages ended in divorce. 2006, okay, 48% of marriages ended in divorce. If you can do math, it's not only increasing in number, it's increasing in percentage, okay, as the years go on, all right? And so... What we've done for the last 60 years or so is we've wanted to free sexuality. We wanted to free, and, and believe me, chauvinism is not the answer, okay? Hear me real clearly. Where we're going, chauvinism and, okay, and, and keeping, keeping women down with no rights and no voice, that, that's not the answer. But what we said 60 years ago was we are going to free women and we are going to free our society sexually. And all of our sociologists are saying, it is not, it's not helping. It's not working. We'll find out some more about that in a minute. So that's the first thing is that it is an appetite. It's an appetite that, and why can't, why can't two consenting adults, if there's no kids and there's no abuse and it's consensual, why can't two consenting adults enjoy each other? God says, I didn't make you for that. All right, and, and we're going to jump into that just now. Uh, the second one, if you go over to 1 Corinthians 7, it says the opposite side, which, to be honest, in silence or even 
spoken outrightly, um, the church has kind of acted more like this uh, across the ages. It's good for a man not to touch a woman. Literally, kind of like the joke video, like the marriage mentors, like, um, man, there's no joy in sex. This is just about procreation. And you totally deny everything that God, not everything, but a large part of what God created sex to do. Here's a few things, if you're taking notes, that God created sex to do, okay? God created sex um, for, for pleasure, Okay, obviously, it's one of the most pleasurable events, activities of life. Okay, there is nothing as significant physically feeling as the endorphins of an orgasm. We know that, all right? There is in life not much like that that unites two people together. Okay, there's incredible pleasure and joy in discovering that together as a couple. All right, which is why, okay, when you take... Let me just go there. When you, take, um, when you take that kind of intimacy, when you take sexual intimacy, and you don't have commitment, and you don't even have friendship, you've got this totally off balance. That's why some of you got into sexual relationships, and you can't see, everybody around you is like, that guy is a moron. What are you doing? That girl, she's crazy. What are you doing sleeping with her? And you go farther and farther, because you get blinded, all right, with that unity that happens. Have you ever, I know nobody here has gone through that, but um, did, did, has anybody ever known anybody like that? Yeah, and so you, you have all of this unity and you don't have friendship and you don't have commitment. I mean, it's a recipe for disaster. So anyway, so there's pleasure. There is procreation. We have four kids and Crystal and I never set out to have four kids, but that vasectomy is just so elusive. You know what I mean? That appointment, it always gets... <laughs> Um, anyway, so we have four kids and, uh, unless we adopt or there is divine intervention, uh, we'll only have four kids. And, um, uh, shoot, I don't, the V word, man, I'm off track. All right. Mm. So, uh, kids are an amazing blessing and a joy from the unity of being together. And, and that's why, again, Man, young people, you hook up with somebody and you have great fun and sexual intimacy with somebody and you don't even know who they are. You might not even like them really. You just thought they were hot. And guess what? You have a kid together and you got this whole life together with somebody you don't even like. Mm. All right. Another thing uh, that God created sexual intimacy for is for comfort in, in marriage. Literally, there are times where, where you just... You, there's times that just stink. There's deaths in the family. There's stuff that just goes beyond words. You can't fix things. You get fired from your job. You have a terrible day at work. The kids are a disaster. The, and sometimes it's just like, literally, the Bible says that as, as husband and wife, you can comfort each other. Literally just in the escape of being together as man and wife uh, for a few moments. Um, we could go on and on. Um, there's unity. There's oneness like, like nowhere else. Crystal and I, we know each other. We know our sins. We know our strengths. I know Crystal like nobody else on the planet. She knows me like nobody else on the planet. And when you choose to love one another over and over, knowing each other, uh, there's power and love there that God gives to you like nowhere else. Again, that's why taking it out of its context is so, is so destructive. Uh, who knows what this is? Anybody? 
Honey. I love honey. Don't you love honey? Man, honey is some good stuff. This is some, uh, this is some stuff from Logan. All right? Man, honey is one of the, uh, the sweetest things on earth. Just absolutely delicious. Um, who likes honey? Anybody like honey? All right. Is there anything as sweet as honey? Not quite. Take a taste of that. Sorry, you have to wash that outfit. Is that good, Kim? There is nothing as good as honey. What I didn't tell Kim is that while this is delicious honey, uh, it's full of cyanide. And you're going to be dead in a half hour. The good news, though, the good news is, is that I talked to Steve beforehand, and he took out a life insurance policy, so it's, we're all set. Um, I know Kim really well. If you don't, uh, if you don't go here, that's uh, just, I know Kim and Steve pretty well. Um, this is what God says sex is like. It's like the sweetest. I mean, is there anything as sweet as honey? Is there anything as creamy and just absolutely delicious as honey? There's nothing like it. It is one of the sweetest, most, I mean, you can't, even to take a whole spoonful at once is almost too strong. And God says that he made sex to be like, like honey. And he says when you don't, when you don't treat it, when you don't use it the way he designed it to be used, that it goes one direction to death that it will, it will take you and it will destroy you. That you bring something delicious into your mouth and it tastes so good. And that's why when, and again, here, if, if you're here, um, you know sexual immorality. If you're here, God, Jesus said this when they, when they probed him about, about sexuality. He said, listen, it's not just the act of adultery. It's if you've ever lusted after someone, if you ever looked after a woman and lusted after her, every dude here is, every guy here is guilty of that. He says, if you've ever done that, you've committed adultery in your heart. And so when we talk about it, it he says that it tastes so sweet and it'll kill you. Literally in Proverbs 5, here's what it says. Um, if, you haven't, if you haven't read Proverbs 5 uh, recently, uh, go read it. It's a great thing to read with your kids. It, by the way, if you don't talk to your kids about sex, um, somebody will. Average age that a child sees pornography is 11 years old. Okay, average age that a child sees pornography is 11 years old. Across the board, whether it's in somebody's locker at school, whether it's you know, out in the woods, um, whether it's online, average age is 11. And it's getting younger and younger, especially in the last dozen years or so of, of just internet um, accessibility. Uh, Proverbs chapter 5. Let me get there. Proverbs chapter 5. If you haven't read it, you've got to read the whole thing uh, and then go right over to 7 and read chapter 7. Um, Pay attention, my son, to my wisdom. Listen carefully. The lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey. Okay? As sweet as honey. No, the Bible never says that immorality won't taste good. Okay? Never says that adultery won't taste absolutely divine. It will. It, it'll just be like a beautiful, absolutely delightful mouthful of honey that kills you. 
You see, our world is convinced that that honey is an end in and of itself, right? Because it's going to taste absolutely delicious. But it'll kill you. Her mouth is smooth as oil, but the result is as bitter as poison, double as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead to the grave. Uh, My sons, listen to me. Verse 7, never stray from what I'm about to say. Run from her. We're going to get to that in a minute. Run from her. Okay, the only time we swear in my house is about this right here. Okay, Uh, the only time we legitimately swear in my house. Let me correct that, all right? The only time we legitimately swear in my house is this, is run like hell about this thing. I got four sons, okay? The difference, and I'm kind of speaking in circles, but I'm just going to keep doing it. Listen, here's the thing. The difference between now and 50 years ago or even 25 years ago is that you used to have to pursue immorality, okay? Immorality hunts you, each one of you and me, okay? It's a totally different age. It's in our home. It's in our TV. It's on our computer. You type up steak marinade on Google, and you got boobs in your face. You just do. You type up wrench apart for, listen, I'm not, you are hunted with this untruth. And they don't want you. They don't even care about your soul. They just want your dollar. The reason all of us guys are quiet is because it's like, man, our heart's in our throat. Because it's powerful. Okay. um, Chapter five. uh, Okay, so check this out. And, And I don't mean to be harsh and cruel with this, but check it out. And you just need to read the Bible because the Bible is so much... It's so much plainer, and I'm just going just gonna to rock for you here, okay? Um, run from her. Uh, don't go near the door of her house. Don't even go near her. If you do, you'll lose your honor and hand over to merciless people everything that you've achieved in life. You will hand over all your money, all your honor, all your fame. I, um, in Africa, I, in a few weeks, I'm going to talk about Africa. In Africa, I worked kind of a political job for a couple of years and worked with people from the State Department. So the CEO of AT&T Global just a really good guy, Randall Tobias. Um, I mean, a really powerful, smart man. And so I worked with him in Africa and was in a meeting with him and he was Condoleezza Rice's, all the money to Africa and AIDS goes through him. Big dude, okay? He totally lost everything because he got, he got fingered in a prostitution ring in Washington, D.C. Lost all of his appointment, lost all of his everything. CEO of AT&T Global. You will be, you'll be mocked before people. Strangers will obtain your wealth. Someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor, okay? He goes on down. He says, man, how I hated discipline is what I say. If only I had not demanded my own way. I've come to the brink of utter ruin. And here's the answer, he says. And we're going to talk more about this. He says, drink from your own well, okay? Literally, enjoy your own wife. Literally, her well. Drink from her well, okay? Proverbs, Bible, all right? Enjoy your wife's body. Drink from her well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water, literally? Why man, why boy, why spill your water? Why get rid of your semen in the springs in public having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves, Don't share with strangers, okay? You can tweet that here. Don't share with strangers, all right? Don't share with strangers. And literally, he says this. He says, it will take you to ruin. And this is the part that I don't want to be mean about, but in our culture, 
Man, we have people everywhere giving all of their money to the courts, divorcing each other, arguing over custody rights, giving the rest of their money to the mileage on their car and the, and the gas pump because they're driving 50 miles to shuttle their kids back and forth. God never designed you for this. And you'll say, God, why did I do this? If I had only not demanded my own way. Now, some of you, I, I know what I'm saying is painful because you're in the middle of it and you got to swap your kids this morning before he came. And I'm sorry to be so pointed, but, but some of you, you don't have to go there. You might be tempted to believe right now what the world is saying, that the grass is going to be so green in that next relationship. And you're really going to connect and it's going to really satisfy you sexually. He says, don't do it. That's not what he made us for. You guys know that, I mean, so we live in this state that is, is really moral and really this. We have the highest per capita downloading paid subscriptions of porn anywhere in the United States. Okay, we have the highest, they can measure search engines. We search for sex here in Utah online more than anywhere else in the United States. It's not coming from California. It's not coming from wherever. It's coming from right here. I, I, I got to read this for you. It, this is just, this just, uh, this is just crazy. Uh, and this, you know, this is true. The porn loop no longer outside of the pale. Sorry, this is New York Times. Um, not too long ago. Uh, no longer outside of the pale. Um, starlets in the tabloids in your grocery store boast of learning to strip from professionals. Cool girls go with, to the strip clubs with guys. Um, they even ask for lap dances. College girls are expected to tease at keg parties with lesbian kisses, a la Britney and Madonna. Um, Okay, so this is an article. I can't, I can't afford the time to read all of it. Um, okay, let me just tell you. Literally, the thing going on right now is that men cannot get an erection over their wives and girlfriends because they are so addicted to pornography. How, how messed up are we? There are no words. Guys, we are so, porn so influences our culture. 50 years ago, we thought it was great. It was going to free women. It's going to make sex freer. And it's not going to have the stigma and the chauvinism and the abuse. Because believe me, that still happens. Do you know the highest? So, so the, the, highest, the highest rates of abuse follow these things. Nevada, where it's legal, where prostitution is legal, rape is the second highest in the country. Okay? It, it doesn't relieve problems. It creates them. And so here in this article, here in the New York Times, they're saying this is, what, this is what conservative communities have on us. They say, let's not do it for moral reasons. And they literally quote the Old Testament that you should be with just your wife and celebrate it. They say not for moral reasons, but just for society. Can we please not have porn on tap all the time? And guys, it's, it's in this room. Women, it's in this room. You know, we live in a world where 
where men masturbate to pornography and women get off on romance and, and sometimes pornography, but romance and story that neither of us can ever satisfy. Do you understand that? No one can ever satisfy either of those extremes, ever. And it's hunting you and me. Every story, every romance novel. Women, if you watch a, a good chick flick and, and if you're not absolutely pissed off that it's adultery, that someone takes someone else's wife or husband, you don't have a good perspective about what God says is true. Well, he, he's so much better for her. And it's rubbish. It ought to infuriate you. Because if you believed what God says is true and what is good, it would infuriate you. How much time do I have? Zero. Good. Okay. Crystal, come on up here. Um, Crystal and I are going to try and answer some questions. And um, as she's coming, oh, man, I didn't even get, I didn't even get to a passage. Um, hmm. All right. We're going to try and answer some questions. Uh, yeah, thanks so much, Ryan. We're going to try and answer some specific questions and give some, because otherwise I'll just keep yelling and ranting. Thanks for coming up here, babe. Because listen, uh, man, this stuff hunts, this stuff hunts us. And if you don't run, you're going to get caught. We just all will. Hey, babe. Good morning. Thank you so much for letting us uh, be part of the journey. I just want to say we're, we're shoulder to shoulder with you. We are not experts. Uh, we have not been perfect. We have struggled ourselves. And um, we just want to say thank you for letting us be on this journey with you. Um, we don't have any... <laughs> if anything, we, we also... We have perfect <laughs> sexual relationships. <laughs> we have... Um, we have a... Uh, a lot to pursue and healing and but we have a lot of hope and as lad said we cannot change the past all we can do is go forward and so we're on this with you we're here and these are the most sensitive things of life isn't it not what happens behind closed doors the most sensitive hurtful hard things and a lot of these questions reflect that so thank you for bearing your hearts with us and letting us um, have this really sensitive material let me just get this one out of the way since I just kind of finished with it. Um, I asked for questions. I got about 30 of them. Okay, 40% of the questions that I got were about masturbation. All right, and is it okay inside marriage to kind of alleviate, you know, listen, here's what God designed your sex for your spouse. Okay? Um, God says this. He says that to lust after another person is sin like adultery. Okay? Um, there are there are probably a few exceptions uh, where, um, and I'm not talking about mutual masturbation as uh, like in marriage together is something you guys enjoy. I'm talking about um, like on your own where you're taking your sex for you, okay? Um, there's probably a few situations where you might be able to do that um, without lusting, um, like thinking about the refrigerator or something like that. But then you have other problems, all right? Um, then you have other issues. So... Uh, you know, the thing is, here's the thing. The idea that masturbation totally alleviates uh, your trouble, it's not true. It just creates, for men, it creates more semen, it creates more desire. Um, and 
and it just, it takes you down a road. So there's probably sometimes, if you're like, if you're a single person who is content to be single and you know, and man, a couple times a year, you're just like, I'm just dying. And, and masturbation without pornography or lust is something that happens. Like God doesn't forbid masturbation. He doesn't come out and say, it's not like the 11th commandment. And so I think if God wanted to say that and have everybody all the time hung up on guilt, I think that he would have said that. I'm just saying that typically it goes towards, it goes, it goes further, all right? And typically it goes towards lust. And especially in a day and age of pornography, it's really tough to do that without lust, all right? Uh, here's another one I'm just going to hammer out. Do you have one of these? Or you, have one? you take the next one. Um, this is, uh, hey, I'm divorced. My wife and I are both still single. Can we still have sex together? Okay, here's the thing. Um, no, you're divorced. You're not married, okay? And hear me real clearly, marriage outside of sex is off, okay? So if you and your, like, you and your ex-wife are both single and you're lonely and you like having sex together, um, get married again. Yeah. And inside the covenant of marriage, work your crap out, okay? Do it. Um, serve one another. Learn to serve and not be all about yourself. Because the thing is, is you, sh- you got rid of all of the commitment and now you still want the sex. No. That's right. Unless, uh, of course, the, if there's abuse going on, yeah. then of course, then you know that that's... Yeah. Why don't you talk about that just for all of our questions that we won't have to say it every Yeah, time. that abuse um, is just on a whole nother level. Not only is it very dangerous for you and possibly for your children, and also it's the law of the land, and that's not allowed, and it's illegal. And so for K2, for, you know, for us, abuse is not okay. If you're getting beat up, man, get out, get away. Run. Okay, if you're being manhandled, if you're being hurt, guys, it's totally not. Listen, if your wife, or, well, I suppose if your wife or your husband is being harsh with you, come talk to me today. Okay, there's some men that we want to talk to him. That's right. So abuse okay. is definitely on a different level as we read these. We're not talking about abusive, hurtful relationships. We're talking about in marriage, yes, you might have struggles, but basically abuse is on another level. Go for it. Do you have one? Um, which one do you have there? Whichever one you want. Um, let me do this one. Go for it. You said all throughout the Bible, always one man plus one woman equals marriage. I don't think it's true. Many marriages, man plus woman equals one flesh, then add another woman in all marriage. New Testament says, okay, unless it's a pastor, so more time to serve others. What if currently I have one wife? Must I divorce one of them? Is that biblical? That's all you. I thought she was supposed to get the next one. <laughs> That's all um, I Polygamy is a real thing here. And, and so somebody, somebody asked the question, if I already have more than one wife, what should I do? Okay. Um, if that's you, man, I'm really glad you're here. And thanks for being here. Um, so 1 Corinthians 7 says this. It says, don't change the situation you're in. If you're single, he says, man, if you can stay single, keep rocking single and keep serving God. If you're married, don't divorce your spouse. If you're married to a non-Christian, be Christ to them. If you're married to a Christian, by all means, you shouldn't be getting divorced. Okay, he says, don't change the situation that you're in. Um, polygamy is not ideal. God from the start made one man to be with one woman. Okay, heterosexual marriage. Okay, we'll, pro- we'll talk about homosexuality quickly here. Um, but if you're already married to two women, 
Um, if you were asking me and there was faithfulness there inside that, I would say it's not biblically ideal. Now, I know that it's not legal. So you're married to one and the other one is uh, uh, like a, a spirit wife or a, a spiritual wife, um, at least here. We live with the same thing in, in Africa where there's polygamy. And so I would say stay in the situation that you're in and be faithful and continue. All right. Okay, how do you forgive yourself when you've cheated on your spouse? Okay, a couple of these. I got a couple of these. When you've cheated on your spouse and your spouse doesn't know it, how do you forgive yourself? This woman said, it's an ever-ending, it's a never-ending pain in my heart. Mm -hmm. How do I forgive myself? Yeah, and I think the first thing that you and I discussed, it's important that, first of all, if it's something that you haven't told anybody, that it's just a secret that you're holding, the first thing would be to bring that to light, probably to share with someone of the same gender, to confess your sin, someone that you would person. trust, a godly yeah. person that you would trust, and to say, this is what I've done, this is what's happened, and to diffuse that situation, because what's going to happen is the enemy is going to come in, and he's going to lie to you, he's going to heap shame on you, um, it's can, just going to cause a lot of problems just with yourself, because, but then, of course, after that, you need to go to that person and confess and work out the situation. So First John says, if we confess our sins to God, that he forgives us. Listen, everybody who lusts after somebody, it's like committing adultery in your heart. If you confess your sin, God forgives us, okay? But there is, there's the, the lies and the attacks of the evil one that say, you are scum of the earth. How could you? How could you look at pornography? You're filthy. How could you cheat on your husband? You're filthy. And that's what you're talking about. Yeah. It would be important just to diffuse that, to um, take the power out of that by confessing and then of course hopefully work towards healing because there'll be some trust issues there'll be some hurt there'll be um you'll just there'll be anger and deception it's just a lot of things but it does need to come to light it does need to be confessed you need and there to- could be nothing better but you guys as a couple if couples wouldn't share their temptations and the things that they need to apologize for there's nothing better now does that not is it simple is it a bumpy road? Absolutely. But if, if you are both growing towards forgiveness, look, I mean, if you're married here, you can look right now. In fact, do that. Look at your spouse right now and say, I've failed you. You have. Everyone here has failed each other in loving each other perfectly. And there could be nothing better than us living out our love for each other better and better all the time. Yeah. It won't be easy, but definitely you need to seek that forgiveness. Um, all I know is finding my security and my identity in sexual dating relationships. I know it's wrong. How do I stop? I think this is a huge thing for a lot of us who, uh, you know, struggle with our identity. We struggle with maybe because you're past or you don't feel very beautiful or whatever. It's a, it's a real easy trap for women to get involved into. Because mm-hmm. uh, guys will take it every time from you. Ladies, if you're single, most of them, they'll just take it. They'll say whatever they want and they'll take it and they won't deliver and you feel like it's filling something. You feel like you're getting for something for, for that moment. Like let's say that honey, you feel like somebody loves me. I am beautiful. I am important. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody cares for me. And it is, it is a, a dangerous trap because it doesn't just, uh, the working out of this finding our identity. You need to find your identity in Christ. You're not going to find it in the sexual relationship that you thought you are. You know, you will at first, but then as it unravels, there's pregnancy, there's 
there's so many things that come. There's hurt. There's pain. There's not a commitment. So that person just has freedom to come and go and stomp all over your heart. It's not going to bring you what you thought it was going to bring you. So I would say, first of all, to this person, find your identity in Christ. What does that look like? What does that mean? Ask for forgiveness from Christ. Find an accountability partner. Find out why do I have such a lack of identity in who I am in Christ and begin to work that out and heal before you can get into a dating relationship and not be able to suck from that person. You need to get that from Christ. Somebody asked a question about Solomon. Solomon had like a thousand wives, 300 mm-hmm. wives, 700 concubines. They're like, why in the world would I believe anything in the Bible if this guy got in, right? <laughs> if this guy was able to write the Bible. Okay, anything in Song of Solomon. Uh, there's some people who try, who, who try to figure that, that maybe that wife in, in the Song of Solomon is, is the first wife. It was his true love. It was, it was one of a thousand, right? And um, so the truth is this. Moses... You know, Moses is the one who wrote the law and the first five books of the Bible. And uh, he wrote the commandment, do not murder, and yet he was a murderer. Okay? So God uses train wrecks just like you, even in the Bible, to write. Okay? There's stuff in God's word that, man, the writer isn't perfect, and they know wisdom, and sometimes they don't follow it. The Song of Solomon is just this amazing picture of the sexual and romantic and relation. And if you read it, go home and read Song of Solomon. You'll probably be all worked up tonight and need to be with each other. And, uh, and so, but read, read the Song of Solomon and then check this out. The, the man, like every time he describes her, he's like, oh my word, you're hot here, you're hot here, you're hot here, you're hot here. Just describes the whole thing. And then the woman, she's like, this smells amazing. And... And this feels amazing, and I love the sound of your voice, and I love being near you. And, and the next time the guy speaks, he's like, wow, you're beautiful here. You're beautiful. Wow, you're beautiful there. You're beautiful there. All right? Very typical. Exactly. <laughs> so Nothing new. What God, what God says is he, he writes this, and God says, he looks down, and he says, eat and drink of each other. This is good. All right? What do you got next? Um... Here's, let, let's, uh, let's finish with this one. Um, I saved myself for marriage. Um, once married, sex was uh, bad, and then it became non-existent. Uh, my husband doesn't want me sexually. After almost 10 years, I just feel over it. Um, why wait for marriage um, at all? So, um, again, this goes back to this thing. I, I will tell you, um, I am... I'm living. Men, uh, we didn't even get to the good passage of just, you are not your own. The Bible says that in marriage, you are not your own. That you serve your wife. Women, you serve your husband. And um, men, we typically, for, for us, sex is, is an in the moment more kind of thing. For women, it takes longer to get ready. You've got to think about it. You've got you to prepare for it. It's bigger. If the, if the kitchen is a mess, sex is tough, right? Okay, for some women. So here's the thing. Um, Men, like the thought that you, the thought that you're making your wife vulnerable because you won't have sex with her, come on. How stupid are you? Literally in this church at the South Campus, this is a problem. Not talking about just this question. I'm talking about people that I know. There are some people who are so addicted to pornography, they don't have anything, any emotion, any anything for their wife. You guys... Like, this is vile. 
that we would make our wives normal. Do you know what God says? God says in 2 Peter, he says, if you don't love your wife well, as one who is weaker than you, who is, is more vulnerable than you are, if you don't love her well, I do not hear from you. I don't hear from you. You pray and it doesn't get past your ceiling. So you don't take care of your wife and, and you don't serve her whether she needs more sex or she needs less sex. You don't take care of your wife. I don't hear from you. Men and women alike, we are meant to serve one another. And for women, this is also a huge... So it's not just... Um, a woman who is not feeling loved or the lack of sexual activity, it's probably also maybe even more on the flip side where the man is probably felt he needs more and is not being satisfied in the marriage. So Lad and I took some time to discuss, you know, what it is for a woman to serve in that way. There's a lot of different, there's so many books, so many good things out there. You guys, we're not experts on this, but we know what has happened for women. There's seasons of life, right? You have babies, you're big and you're huge, you're pregnant, you have hormones flying, um, you have a newborn, you're tired, you have children, you have responsibilities. There's a lot of things coming at us that attack us from all sides that just says, I'm tired, I don't want to, I don't feel like it. Maybe there's emotional hurts. Maybe you have very deep-seated things in your marriage that you just cannot give to your husband. Those need to be worked out. That's not okay for your husband to go months or weeks without your body. He needs to see you. He needs to know that he is wanted, loved, respected, needed. That is very important for a man. And if you don't understand that, women, you need to get a hold of a book. You need to get a hold of an older godly woman who understands this and say, help me. I'm struggling. Our marriage is struggling because of this, because I'm withholding. If you're using it as a tool of manipulation, ladies, that's wrong. That is not from God. It's not a tool to use against him. Like Lad said, it's something to be enjoyed with one another. It's a gift to one another. If you're not giving it to him, if you're not letting him see you, it's because He's going to have... Uh, They're the best moments of the day. There you go. <laughs> what else do you say? Women, literally. Um, man, you might not feel confident about yourself. Right. Especially, dudes, if, you're, if, you have, if you have porn in your house and your wife knows it, or if she doesn't know it, there's no way she can compare to that. That's right. It's all fake. There's no way she can compare to that. But ladies, literally, man, the best moment, the best moments of the day, man, are getting changed, Right? <laughs> Are getting dressed? Absolutely. Absolutely. Women, let your husband see you naked. Turn the lights on. That's right. And if you're having a struggle with that, for whatever reason, maybe there's abuse or what, whatever's going on inside of you, you don't feel pretty, you don't feel beautiful, there's things that you can do. You can be proactive. You don't have to just sit around and say, oh, I'm so ugly. You, you are what you are. God made you who you are. Your hips aren't going to change. You know, you are what you are. But there's things you can do to help yourself. And we totally love it. And God's word says delight in it. Delight in the wife of your youth. If you're 50 years old and That's you right. have a 55-year-old wife, 55, my wife's size, shape, hair color, that is my favorite. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. When I'm 65, that is my favorite. All right, you have you delight yourself. Literally, the command of God is you delight yourself in your wife's breasts. You delight yourself in her body. That's That's the way to run like hell from immorality. Like we said, hey, here's a couple good things. We're out of time. Um, First of all, there's a website on the screen. If your house isn't locked down, I just got to tell you, there is nobody here that shouldn't want their house locked down from pornography from internet. 
There's nobody here that shouldn't. If, if you guys talk about it on the way home, and, and literally everyone should want it. If you got kids, if you're human, if you're non-human, if you're terrestrial here, still you should want your house locked down. You should want it all locked down. If you don't, it's because you want to, to, to tame that animal. You kind of like going back to that porn. You should want to lock it down. This is a decent site. It's a church called Triple X Church. Um, there's a free one and a $7 a month one. I think the $7 one is better. That's what we have at our house. You should do it. Um, and really, to be honest with you, if you don't want to, because you say, oh, it's going to slow my computer down a little bit. Um, dude, you're, you're just believing a lie. Especially with teenagers, you know, you want to protect them as well. Average age is 11, viewing porn. Okay, here's a good book by Chris Lundegaard, The Enemy Within. Um, just talking str- straight about addiction and the sin within us. This is a good book. Chris Lundegaard, L-U-N-D-G-A-A-R-D, The Enemy Within. Straight talk about the power and defeat of sin. Um, here's a book called Red Hot Monogamy. It's a good book. Just on ideas of how to cultivate just your desire inside marriage. All right? Um, I have a couple other books, but we're way out of time. Um, Thanks, guys. If you have any questions, and uh, sorry, what I'll do is I'll talk more. If you want to stay for the next service, we'll talk more about homosexuality in the next service. But God, God loves us, people. And he created us for, for good. He created sex for you and me to be good inside marriage. And, and the way to enjoy marriage and sex is to commit to one another. All of history is people getting together, most of the time that didn't even know each other, being arranged into marriage and learning to love one another. The whole idea that out there is someone who's my perfect mate and this is not, okay? That whole idea is not true, okay? If you're not happy in this marriage, you're probably not gonna be happy in your next marriage either because you're there, all right? Listen, there are people that you're more compatible with, but the idea that everything is greener somewhere else, it's not true. So as we talk about sex, it's my prayer um, that you and I would be free in this. Because Paul says the pagans who are enslaved to their lust, they just follow their lust around and they are chained to it and they're bound to it. And it doesn't lead to good things. And what our culture is saying, not for a moral reason, they're saying we're going a direction of disaster because we thought this would free us and instead it's enslaved us. The band is going to come on up and uh, I'm going to close in prayer. And if we didn't get a chance to answer your specific question or really to answer it in a way that really helped you, you thought, well, that just kind of left me hanging. Um, we... We talk to couples all the time. If there's really an issue, seek help. Come and find us. Say, that didn't really satisfy um, me. And let us, because we've been discussing and praying, so let us answer the question properly if you need us, because we just were confined with time. Sure. Father, we are so grateful that you created us in your image. But, Lord, so many times it's hard because we get involved with ourselves, and we turn it into something so differently than you ever wanted for us and we cause pain and we cause destruction but lord god when we follow you there's beautiful things that come from that and so lord some of us are hurting and some of us need healing and so i just thank you that you're the source there's no other way to find it it's only in you and as we worship right now 
I just pray that we would just all release our pain or that we would just praise you with full hearts, knowing that you love us so much. This is a gift that you've given us and that there is a lot of hope. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that you give us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.